All right. I'm here with uh, DW Shabbing of DallasBasketball.com. DW, how you doing? Doing good, Ben. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, DW has been writing about the Mavs off and on for a few years now, so I wanted to have him on as I'm trying to kickstart the podcast back up. I took some time off because I got slammed by real work, and then uh, the Mavs went way deeper in the playoffs than I thought they would. Uh, <laughs> what about <laughs> you? Were, you? were you surprised that they got that deep, or were you like, hey, yeah, this is about what I expected? Or I think a lot of people were. Uh, I mean, just real talk. I mean, I, I thought we would maybe get past the first round, and then we, you know, went into the series the second round, and I was like, oh, okay, they're going a little farther than I thought. And then to make it all the way to the Western Conference Finals, I was a little taken back. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I was um, – Going into the end of the regular season, I was really um, living and dying with each game is, I guess, the best way to put it, because I really thought the matchup mattered for the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, hey, if they can maybe get into this third seed, then they can avoid the Suns, which it <laughs> turns out that was not a problem. Um, but uh, I was really concerned about the matchups and everything. And even like I wonder if they had caught Golden State in the second round because they were you know, not great looking against the Grizzlies for a while there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just wondered, you know, like I said, I, th- I thought the matchups mattered and I get, and in the, in the end, I guess it didn't, but I guess it sort of did. Cause maybe we caught the suns when they were kind of weak. So, um, I don't know. It was, it was an interesting time. Um, you, you've been writing off and on me and you both wrote at the smoking Cuban for a mm-hmm. while. Um, and now you're at DallasBasketball.com. Um, how, how, how'd you get into writing about the Mavs? Uh, well, I've just been writing my whole life off and on, you know, various different things and uh, been a Mavs fan my whole life. You know, growing up, we I got one big present for my birthday each year and it was to get Mavs tickets, you know. So it's it's easy when you get to write about things that you love, things that you, you know, really are passionate about. Um, so, yeah, like you said, you know, I've been at DallasBasketball.com and I've been there about two months now and just uh, excited to get going under a full season, you know, and, and with Summer League and everything coming up, you know, just excited to get rolling with them. So, yeah, it's always tough this time of year. They're um, writing about stuff because, uh, you know, just the content kind of dries up. But, um, you know, what are you going to do? Right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like you said, it's, it's easy when you're writing about the Mavs because you're you're basically, you know, we, we um, over at Mavs Moneyball and like on Twitter, I've talked with this about people or talked with this talked about this with people a few times um, that, you know, you're kind of going to be texting and or you know emailing or just on like a a, or tweeting a lot of these thoughts anyway so you might as well you know write them down in a nice form and publish them somewhere absolutely Uh, because there's a lot of people like us who are just going to sit here and rant about the mavericks no matter what so Mm -hmm. might as well do it productively Um, (laughs) exactly (laughs) so uh let's just let's just get started with um uh just your thoughts on basically the big offseason, the two big offseason moves is the Mavericks added Christian Woods from the Rockets, um, traded basically just some spare parts uh, to get him. And then they lost Brunson, uh, Jalen Brunson, uh, as a free agent. That keeps going back and forth on whether it's going to be a sign and trade. The last I saw that it was going to be just a straight free agent that the, the Knicks had cleared cap space. Um, but that seems to be changing like every day. So, but as of now, <laughs> right. it looks like he's walking for nothing. So, I guess let's start with Christian Woods. Um, do you like that trade? Yeah, big fan of Christian Woods' game. Honestly, um, you know, I've just uh, been keeping my eye on him for a while as a player that intrigued me on this Mavs roster, uh, especially just 
he he brings so much to the game that I think people don't really see. You know, a lot of the talk when the trade went down was, you know, his attitude and if he could stay healthy and things like that. But they don't talk about the plus sides of his game. You know, rebounding. I mean, guy averaged, I believe, ten rebounds, something like that, a game last season. You know, that's something the Mavericks desperately needed in each of their playoff series. I feel like, um, you know, he's got the ability to score, ability to stress the floor. Um, one thing that I love about his attitude so far that we've seen in summer league is he's, he's big on the Mavs and, and his, uh, press conference the other day, he just mentioned winning, you know, a ton of times. And, you know, like I tell people all the time, you know, with the trade, people are talking about, I hear he has a bad attitude. Well, you know, when you, when you're on a team that's losing or not contending, your attitude is probably going to be pretty poor, especially when you're competitive. You know, I I play in in a, in a, uh, what do you call it? Just a pedestrian league, you know, and I want to win, you know, so if we lose, I know how my attitude is. So that's just one thing that I feel like him being in a winning culture is definitely going to change. Um, you know, there was talks about his, uh, injury history too, but you know, with Casey Smith and his team, you know, Casey won, you know, the best, best trainer in the league, like two years, three years in a row now. So uh, I'm confident in his ability to keep him on the floor. I, I really like what Christian brings to the game and to the Mavs, honestly. Yeah, I'm really excited on offense. He's going to fit in perfectly. Um, I'm a little – we'll get into this a little bit later, but I'm a little concerned about how – what position they're going to play him at. Um, mm-hmm. If he they just slot him in at center, then I think it, you know, offensively is not a problem. Defensively, I'm a little worried about him because um, you, you I, just watching some of uh, the Rockets games from last year, he got bullied down low a little bit by bigger guys. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's got, you know, height and length, but he just seems, um, I worry we're, you know, I don't think it's going to be as bad as a Dwight Powell situation, but I just worry that, um, he's just not going to be the, the rim protector that they need. And I think that's why, um, like I said, we'll talk about this more later, but they've already kind of come out and said that they're going to start JaVale McGee next to Wood, I think. Um, they really, they didn't say next to Wood, they just said they're going to start JaVale McGee. So you're assuming that's going to be next to Wood. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's what they're thinking is, you know, Hey, we can use McGee to, uh, protect the rim a little bit. Again, starting doesn't really matter, but uh, it's about who closes the games. But, uh, that's, that's my concerns on defense. I'm not really concerned about his injury, um, history. I am concerned a little bit about his attitude problems. Cause that's been, you know, Houston got him for nothing from Detroit, um, because kind of, you know, it was a bit of a money thing, but also a bit of an attitude thing. Uh, so he has been traded, a, you know, traded and let go a few times for nothing around this league. So I am concerned about the attitude stuff. However, um, he is, I think, 26 years old now. He's at least 25, if not 26. Um, sometimes people just need to mature, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he's probably hit that point. He's now, I mean, he's basically playing for his career now. Um, because if, if this year in Dallas doesn't work out, then he's probably, you know, he might get one more con- like one more one year contract or something like that but yeah uh, and that's that's one of the things honestly that I'm most excited about is because you know one thing about him going to Houston is he was going there thinking he was going to contend you know they had John Wall they had James Harden they had DeMarcus Cousins they had all these guys you know and then two or three years later they're two back-to-back lottery teams i mean yeah changed so, overnight yeah you're right exactly it was just kind of a you know snap your fingers and the whole situation changed but one of the things i am excited about is this is a contract year for him um so i fully you know anticipate him coming out ready to play defensively i see where you're, where you're going with that 
Um, I kind of saw a few games with the same thing. Um, and that was one of the things that even uh, one of the guys from the Houston media, when they were on the radio the other day, they were talking about, you know, he may need some help against the bigger centers in the league, um, which I do think McGee will help if he is a center and Woods at the power forward there. But, you know, I mean, like I said, overall, I think he brings a big, you know, lift to this team in the paint. And that's what I'm excited to see. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the Mavericks made it to the Western Conference Finals uh, against and defeated uh, Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Ayton mm. um, without a pure center or, you know, solid five, whatever you want to call it. And so, yeah, if he, you know, I don't think he has to just completely, um, you know, be able to bang with big centers down there. Uh, but I just, you know, like for me, and when we talk about, you know, the competitive situation, the, for me, at least 50% of defense, if not more, is just caring about defense and trying to mm -hmm. play defense. Right. And so, you know, when you're, like you said, on back-to-back -back lottery teams, your um, ambition on defense can really go downhill. So maybe maybe that flips around here in Dallas. Um, you talked about, you know, him being in a contract year. So that, that's a good segue. Um, it makes me wonder <laughs> if, let's say, Christian Wood does have a great year, will the Mavericks give him a good contract uh, that's something we'll have to see. Will, will they pay that market price for him? Because uh, they had a situation with Jalen Brunson where maybe they were willing to pay the market price. Maybe they weren't, uh, but he's gone. So uh, mm -hmm. how do you feel about Brunson being gone? Uh, I have mixed feelings about Brunson being gone. I understand, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business. You know, we all we all do what we have to do. You know, feel like we have to do to to take that next step for us, to advance us. You know what I mean? But uh, I'm a little bitter. You know, we had the shot at the four-year, fifty-five million dollar extension, which didn't get done. Um, and I think that's gonna might come back to haunt us, depending on how Brunson pans out in New York. Um, I think he brought a lot to this team, honestly, man. You can see the guy's heart. You know, he's got such a champion pedigree from college days. You know, winning the title and just doing the dirty work. I, I, I heard so many interviews about him and the coaches saying. Oh, he just is willing to do the dirty work, whatever it takes to get the win. You know, if that's setting up his teammates, if that's scoring, which we saw it all in the playoffs last year, especially the games that Luca missed. Um, you know, he he's a dominant ball handler for for the Mavs, or he was. You know what I mean? And that's something I think they're really going to miss. Um, you know, one of the big things that I think gets overlooked with Brunson is when you have a player like Luca, who you know likes to set the offense up. You need players that learn to play off the ball. And that is one thing about Brunson. If he had to, that's what he would do um, for the team, too. So I, I have mixed feelings about it. Like I said, I wish him well, and I think he's going to do well in New York, or at least I hope he does. I, I like his attitude as a player, but uh, I do see where the void is uh, on our team currently where he uh, was before. Yeah, uh, I see a lot of people online that have said, well, hey, the Mavericks couldn't do anything about this. You know, he chose the Knicks, and he was a unrestricted free agent. You know, he just wanted to go to the Knicks. Um, and for and that's true to an extent. But for me, what I don't like is the series of mistakes that led to him being a free agent mm -hmm. um, and then walking because um, it starts with his initial contract. They gave him um, a, a weird contract for a second rounder that was basically just four years um, and then uh, didn't. Uh, guarantee the fourth year, I think is what it was. But anyway, whatever it was, it ended up with, instead of him being a restricted free agent, um, he was ended up being an unrestricted free agent, which you never see coming off of uh, a rookie contract. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, like you said, he uh, not, not giving him a four-year $55 million extension at the beginning of this season, 
or during this, you know, last off season. Um, because if you break that down, that's less than, that's like less than 14 million a year mm-hmm. um, for a guy who at bare minimum was going to be coming off your bench and contributing um, pretty heavily. You know, like let, let's say he, he doesn't end up a starter like he did, but you know, he would have played 20 minutes. I mean, 13 million for a, a key rotation guy is cheap. Oh, yeah. um, so, and then, you know, imagine he signs that contract or that extension and uh, plays like he did this year. All of a sudden, he's a huge like value. Absolutely. Um, and then there's the alleged, you know, people will say that, you know, Brunson wouldn't have taken it in January uh, contract extension that allegedly per ESPN's Tim McMahon, he went um, to the Mavs and said, hey, I'll sign that extension. And they were like, eh, we want to wait until after the All-Star break. Um, I believe that completely because it sounds like something the Mavericks would do. Uh, actually, they wanted to wait until after the trade deadline because if they signed him to that extension, then they could not trade him at the right. de- until next year or this offseason. Uh, I completely believe that because it sounds exactly like something the Mavericks would do because we've seen them do that time and time again, passing over Giannis in the draft um, because they wanted to move down a few slots to save about 800000 in cap space in case – they could sign a free agent. That um, one still hurts. <laughs> right. Um, and then so basically that Brunson contract, the reason it was weird is because it saved them some uh, cap space in case Giannis became a free agent. Uh, so um, that sounds exactly like something the Mavericks would do. And then uh, for me, the smoking gun of that is Dorian Finney-Smith signing his the exact same extension like an hour after the trade deadline passed. Right. So they were sitting there, you know, wanting to hold their assets for a trade. And and for me, I can understand that if you've got an agent telling you like, Hey, or, you know, or maybe another front office saying, Hey, we're going to do this if X happens or something like that. But there's no indication that they had any sort of trade sitting there. It was more of a, well, just in case, you know, we want to be able to trade these guys. And so yeah, that's, sure. that's what I hate. So no, and I, I agree with the contract thing with Brunson because I think they learned their lesson with the, with the Hardy contract, you know, yeah. <laughs> making sure that at the end of his contract he's going to be restricted and not unrestricted to where, you know, we don't have this issue pop up again. But I think that part of the, the problem with Brunson leaving was just like you said, how it planned out or how it panned out, excuse me, um, you know, with, oh, reports saying he's already told his teammates he's coming back and, you know, Dallas media saying, oh, he's, it's all but done, you know, or nearly yeah. done, whatever. And then the complete flip. I mean, one of the things in talking to a lot of Mavs fans that I've been talking to on Twitter and things like that is I told them what can't be understated is the fact that the Knicks hired his dad as a coach. I said, you know, some play, some people don't want to play for their dad. You know, I always laughed about Seth Curry playing for Doc Rivers, you know, the, his father-in-law, I said, but. You know, it can't be understated, you know, as, as close of a relationship as they have. And so when, when I saw that report, I kind of felt the writing was a little on the wall. <laughs> you know, I right. thought it was kind of a, a Bush League tactic, but I see why they did it. And it turns out it may have been one, part of what drew them there to begin with. So, Well, I got an argument with somebody about that on Twitter because, I, you know, they brought that up. They were like, well, you know, what could they have done? They, You know, the Knicks hired his dad. They did this. And I was like, well, why didn't the Mavericks do that? You know? <laughs> right. I, I know, um, you know, like make this guy feel wanted. And then I saw another um, thing where it's like, well, they didn't have a chance to offer him. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Like 
does does Nico and Michael Finley just not go to the practice facility? They don't go to games. They don't go to the locker room. Like, go tell this. I mean, like you you can negotiate with your own players. There's no you can't tamper with your own guy. Right. <laughs> you can just go to Brunson and say, "Hey, man, what's it gonna take to keep you here? What do, you know? What are we gonna pay?" And that you know, and come to find out, they did have like this walk away number of about twenty two million with him. Um, and again, that's per uh, Tim McMahon. Um, but and that and that's what bugs me is, um, because yeah, he wants to play with his dad and with these people he knows and in New York. But I don't think he would have turned down the extra twenty five million to thirty million that the Mavericks could have offered. Right. You know, because uh, the Knicks can only do four for like twenty five a year, I believe something something along those lines. You know, the Mavs could have gone and done five for one twenty five, five for about one thirty, I think. Um, and for me, uh, that's an overpay. Like people will say, like, hey, that's too much for Jalen Brunson. And I like, yep, 100 percent. That's why you lock him in at four for 55 when you have the chance. Exactly. Um, you know, like have these young trade, you know, like what <laughs> I just I don't think even if Brunson, you know, doesn't have the year he just had. um, I don't think trading a 26 year old, 27, 28 year old at some point that's making 13 a million a year is hard to do. Like it's at all. Yeah. That's, that's an easy trade. And especially the salary capture is going to continue to, they're about to have a new TV deal, TV deal here in a couple of years. So, um, you know, and I've had, I've had to explain to a lot of people because I think there's a lot of people for the longest time, a max contract was around like 25 to 30 million. And, and so like a decent player, you know, someone who was like just kind of a good starter was about 12 million. That's changed. Like a max contract now is 50 million. <laughs> like right. we're talking like max contracts, the, like the Luca max contract is not even the super max. That's the, you know, the rookie max that they signed their first after their first rookie deal it starts at like 35 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, by the end of that contract, I believe he's going to be making like 48 million a year. Uh, and then that's then if he does all the usual accomplishments, you know, he's going to get the super max and uh, it's going to be 50 to 60. I mean, like uh, Lillard just signed an extension for two years for 120 million. I mean, do the yeah, math. So that's 60 million. So 20 million, <laughs> 25 million for Brunson is nothing. Like, right. It's cheap. And I think there's a lot of people who are still stuck in um, this old CBA or old salary cap percentages. I think people don't realize. I think they think maybe that, uh, a max contract or other types of contracts are set in stone. And it's actually like a percentage of the salary cap, not, you know, a a number, a a hard number. So um, people have got to understand like 25 million for Brunson. I mean, it's for a starter on a Western conference finalist team, no matter how fluky you think that Mavs run is. I mean, 25, I mean, Andrew Wiggins was, you know, arguably one of the better players for the Warriors on their run. And he, what, I think he's at 35 million a year, if not mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Around there. So, so, I mean, you know, that's just what good players cost now. And you gotta, you gotta adjust your thinking on it. So, and I think that's why, you know, a lot of uh, Mavs fans were upset, you know, about Jalen going to New York was because, you know, people like Mark Stein and things like that were reporting that the Mavs could comfortably zoom past whatever the Knicks were going to offer. Yeah. Well, and Mark Cuban uh, said that at the end yeah. of when the playoffs were over, you know, or for the Mavs, they were over. He was like, Hey, we can pay this guy the most. So we're, we've got an advantage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then just to see how, you know, it ended up, I think that a lot of them were just kind of caught off guard. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and in uh, an interview, I think I saw the other day with Nico, he said something about, you know, we kind of were planning on this for a, while, a little bit now. And so I was like, Whoa, how long are we talking? You know, Things like that, you know, you kind of understand. It's at the end of the day, like I said, it's a business. 
you know, so some players, you know, they get it and some don't, you know, some fans get it and some don't as well. So, yeah. So yeah, that, that was just my whole, you know, I feel like they had several opportunities to not make that mistake and then uh, losing him for nothing. Even if they could get like some sort of a few picks or something, second round picks for something in a sign and trade, that would be better. But just losing him for nothing is a huge, huge loss. I made fun of the Kings a few years ago when they lost uh, Bogdanovich for nothing. So mm-hmm. I have to be consistent and make fun of the Mavs when they do it. So, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I totally see where you're coming from there. Um, so uh, you're going to Summer League this year in a couple of days. Yes, sir. Um, what, uh, when you're watching Summer League ball, uh, like what are you looking for? You know, uh, the Mavericks, Jalen Hardy is uh, playing. He, he had a good first game. Um, but as we know, Summer League's kind of weird. What Just when you're watching Summer League, what exactly are you looking for when you're watching it? Yeah, absolutely. So Summer League to me is a giant opportunity for these young players that are coming in, a chance to show their skills for people that may not be super familiar with them. you got guys from like Shanghai Sharks who people may not get to watch much here show up and, and show off what they can do. Uh, like you said, Hardy had a huge first game. So um, I'm pretty stoked about getting to see him in person, you know, not on Twitter clips and things like that. So right. um, I think he, he had a strong game scoring the ball. My, my concern was the number of turnovers he had. I think he had like six turnovers, you know, so I'd like to see him improve there. But one of the big things that I'm excited to see is uh, these guys competing for that last two-way spot that we have. You know, I think uh, A.J. Lawson showed up huge the other day, 28 points. I was, I was blown away. I didn't expect that from him. Um, you know, guys like Marcus Bingham and uh, Gorham. Gorham got a lot of praise from uh, the coaching staff there for the way that they've been playing in practice and things like that. So I'm just I'm really looking forward to seeing how they're going to battle for that last two-way spot. Um, you know, because uh, like I said, we only have one spot left and a lot of guys on the team that are going to want that. So I think that's a key, what you, what you mentioned, is the competitiveness. Like, that's what I want to see because you really just, you know, the stats, everything's weird out there. Um, and so I just want to see a guy, you know, if, if somebody scores on him or something like that, then he gets, you know, all of a sudden really intense on defense or something like that. You know, just, I want to see competitiveness out there from those guys. Um, mm-hmm. because you just can't, you know, the performances, um, Trey Young and Jalen Brunson, we, we just got done talking with were awful in summer league, like yeah. <laughs> terrible. It was not predictive of them being great in the NBA at all. Um, I'm trying to think there was a couple guys. There was somebody recently that I thought of who really did great in summer league and then has been awful in the NBA. So uh, somebody on the Knicks, maybe, maybe Knox. I'm not sure. Oh yeah. Knox was a hero in summer league ball. Yeah. And he came to the pros and then it was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, where's the guy that was here before? Right. He, he was bullying people in the paint. Yeah. It's um, like I said, that's, that's all I want to see is the competitiveness. So I think, I think we're on the same page there with that. Um, speaking of summer league, uh, Josh Green for the third consecutive year is not playing in summer league. Uh, what are you? How are you feeling on Josh Green? Are you ready to give up on him? You still think there's something there? Uh, what What do you think about Josh Green right now, as of you know July of 2022? I was a little shocked to find out he was not going to be playing summer league this year as well. Uh, especially when you got guys like uh, Josh Giddy for the Thunder and Sadiq Bay. You know those guys are playing. You know they're trying to get better, trying to improve. I feel like Josh Green has a lot of areas to improve on. Um, I, I was one of his biggest fans, honestly, coming out of college, you know, just because of the athleticism, the hustle that he brings, you know, which he showed flashes of this season. Um, so I don't know that I'm ready to give up on him as a player, but as a part of this rotation, I, I'm not sure how I feel, to be quite honest with you. I feel like 
Um, there were times in the playoffs this year where, you know, he hustled and got extra rebounds for us and, and, and stole the ball and, and, you know, just used his hustle. And then other times where I feel like there was almost a, a spirit of timidity, if you will. Um, he'd get the ball and he, I'd never seen somebody look more panicked in my life. You know, he just was very like, Oh, what am I doing? You know? <laughs> so, um, you know, I actually wrote a piece on this a couple of weeks ago where I was talking about, you know, when you, you're trying to build team chemistry, one of the way to do, one of the ways to do that, excuse me, is to, uh, show your teammates they can trust you in big situations. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why you saw his minutes kind of dwindle each and every game is because he, he wouldn't take the open shot, you know? Um, and so that's what I'm saying. I feel like he can improve. I'm just, I'm, I'm really shocked to find out he was not playing in summer league this year. And I think that, you know, it ultimately may be telling on him and how long he lasts here in Dallas. Yeah. Well, he's very raw coming out mm -hmm. of Arizona. We knew he was raw that, you know, he was not a very polished player. So um, how you fix that is get a ton of reps. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, on a competitive basketball team, you know, one that's trying to make a deep playoff run every year, if you're not, you know, doing the right things, then you're not going to get those reps. So, you know, the fact that this summer league is a chance to get some reps. Last summer league, it was a chance to get some reps. He didn't play last summer league because allegedly he was coming off that uh, the Olympics with Australia, where I believe he averaged like six minutes a game, if that, you know, right. and we're talking over like how many games, like seven or eight games. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard uh, when Patty Mills is going otherworldly. <laughs> right. So, I mean, like, um, you know, he wasn't really a rest issue, uh, in my opinion, then. Right. And so I don't understand why. I mean, like, he can only do what he can do because he's, a, he's still a rookie or not a rookie, but on a rookie contract, he's a third year player. So, um, you know, if they don't want him to play, then I guess he doesn't really have a lot of leverage there. But if I was Josh Green, I'd be demanding. I'm like, hey, look, I don't get that many minutes during the regular season. You know, I need as many reps as I can get. Let me let me play. Um, and so that's concerning to me that we, you know, there's not some sort of demand from him to play or that, you know, the Mavericks don't want him to play. Because, again, and, and in, in my opinion, they did him a disservice drafting him, knowing what kind of team they had. Um, mm -hmm. you don't draft a prospect that's raw and not ready to go on a team that's competing for championships. Um, and, and let's be honest, ever since uh, 2019, that's what the Mavericks have been doing. Ever since Luca took that leap, that's what mm -hmm. they're doing. And so it's not fair to him, you know, because people will point to how raw Dorian Finney-Smith was. Cool. He can't, you know, he was able to get reps because uh, their Mavericks were bad and they were, you know, not a good, they were, I think when he first came along and they were mediocre and then they immediately started tanking um, to try and get better draft picks. So he yep. was able, you know, they could put him out there and let him make those mistakes um, and just play through them and learn and grow. Uh, the Mavs can't do that with Josh Green because they're trying to win as many games as possible. Uh, right. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent in with you on the reps thing. I mean, I, I kind of mentioned that in some of the people that I've been talking to, you know, I mean, look at Christian Wood, Christian Wood, Dorian Finney-Smith, they played in summer league, they got the reps and that's how they improved. To me, one of the points I brought up was, you know, Josh Green is not a starter, right? So more than likely he's going to come off the bench. Well, who else is probably going to come off the bench this year would be Jaden Hardy. You get a chance to play with him. It builds some chemistry, builds some rapport with those guys that, you know, may come off and play in that second uh, second team role with you. I just I think there's a lot of opportunity there for him to get better. You know, he's not, he's not a great shooter. Um, he's not terrible, but he's not great, you know, yeah. and he – he just there's a lot of areas that I feel like in his game need to improve, and I feel like that's like you said the reps, 
you know, the chemistry, the continuity is what gets you that. And when you're not playing and then you're saying, well, I'm not playing because I'm playing for my national team. And then you're not playing there either. It's kind of confusing to Mavs fans. I've seen it all over Twitter. Why isn't he playing? You know, and I'm with you. I would be demanding. You know, I don't get to play much in, in the regular season. So I want to show what I can do, you know, right. if anything, for a team that may say, hey, I want to trade for this guy. You know, he's what we need on this team. Because like you said, you know, we kind of did him a disservice drafting him for the team we had. But I think in the right fit, you know, for somebody like Oklahoma City, for example, who was, you know, notoriously dra- stocking up draft picks and things like that, I think he could have been great to get some minutes there, you know, things like that. So, yeah, it's it's tough. So uh, we'll see. Um, I have a feeling he's not long for the team if they have some trades. I, I don't think they're going to cut him or just trade him one for one. But I have a feeling if they do swing a trade here at any point in the next month or so, um, he's going to be in it. So. Oh, I completely agree. Um, okay, so let's finish up uh, the starting lineup. I mean, we're way too early, but again, like we discussed at the top here, uh, we're weirdo Mavs fans, so uh, way way too early to be talking about starting lineups. But uh, what do you think the starting lineup should be going into next season? First game, first game of the regular season. What's our starting lineup look like? Yeah, so according to Kid, you know, Spencer and and Javale McGee are going to be starters. So you have to assume that obviously Christian Wood's going to be out there, Dorian and Luca. So that's what I assume the projected starting lineup would be. Uh, I don't really know, to be real frank with you, that I agree with Dinwiddie starting. Um, I get what they're saying to try and make up some of the scoring from Brunson, but you got to look at it from a ball handler standpoint. Um, Luca's usage rate was already high last season. That's with Brunson. You know, with him leaving, uh, I just really feel like Spencer should still come off the bench like he was. I mean, he could play 26, 28, 30 minutes, but I, I really feel like having that ball handler that can come off the bench and run the offense efficiently to allow Luca time to take some breaths, uh, <laughs> you know, and not have a, a you know a crazy high usage rate would be beneficial. I mean, to me, I like the way Reggie Bullock played. Um, to me, he showed in the playoffs playing 42 minutes a game, I think it was. Um, so I would like to see him at the two instead. So you can run even a big lineup. And I think kid talked about the size of our team the other day, you know? And so I would like to see Luca with Reggie and Dorian out there. And then even Christian Wood and McGee, if you want to run a small lineup, you could sub Hardaway in there. Uh, so like Luca Hardaway, Reggie, Dorian and Christian. I mean, I think that is, is a solid lineup and it gives us a little bit of everything, but kind of like what we talked about earlier, my only struggle there was when you're playing guys like Jokic or a bigger center, you know, that we may need JaVale in there to help out. Yeah, they, they've got to get another ball handler because mm-hmm. um, it's just it just doesn't work. Yeah, what you're saying, you know, I can't imagine a lineup that, you know, you were just saying the, the Luca Spencer, uh, Dorian, Wood, and McGee lineup again. I, I don't think that McGee is going to play. I mean, I think we're I think we're talking like 15 minutes for McGee. So we you know we're kind of making a mountain out of a mole here here about with him starting because um, I just don't think it's that lineup is going to be on the floor too long. But I mean, we saw a lot of times you know uh, throughout the regular season where the Mavs would have some of these. Uh, starting lineups with Dwight Powell, for instance, and they were just getting killed and they would start off every game down like 15 to four. Mm-hmm. Um, so those at the end of the day, yeah. You know, if you, if you follow basketball, you know that the closing lineup matters more than the starting lineup. However, that starting lineup is important. If, you know, if every game you're down. Um, and so I just worry about, yeah, the spacing uh, with that lineup. Um, yeah. And then, and then my bigger concern is, yeah, if, if Spencer's starting, then who's handling the ball 
you know, for the bench. Mm. You know, you've got no one coming off the bench that can really set the table for anybody um, run, and run the offense. I mean, so, some people will mention, mention Jalen Hardy. That's not fair. Uh, yet again, you know, if you are putting uh, a rookie onto a team that expects to go deep into the playoffs and say, hey, you know, you're going to be our backup uh, point guard. Um, just, you know, 20 minutes a game, we expect you to run, you know, the bench unit. That's not fair for a guy in his first year, man. I don't mm-hmm. care how good you think Jalen Hardy is. He's going to make a lot of mistakes and go through a lot of growing pains. Um, so for him, you know, to put that responsibility on him the first year is, is crazy. Uh, especially considering, let's say, you know, he's a second round pick, but let's say, you know, he was projected in like the like late teens, early 20s. That's still crazy to put that on someone drafted at that that area, you know. Um, I just I just can't see that. So they must have in their head at least another veteran ball handler that they're going to try and pick up or sign or something. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, that's why I was kind of shocked about the whole Dragic thing. I mean, yeah, it's a win. You know, it's an easy win. <laughs> it was an easy win. I thought it was a perfect fit. You know, if somebody can come in off the bench and run the show, or, you know, or at least run the offense effectively. You know, there's there's other guys out there that have gotten released. You know, like I've heard people talk about Eric Bledsoe. And I don't know how I feel about Bledsoe, but at least I know he can handle the rock, you know. And that's right. that's one of the things where it's like when you're when you're bringing in these guys off the bench, like you said, who's gonna who's gonna run the second team if Spencer's starting? Which that that is one of the most things that I was or the biggest things I was concerned about when that quote came out. I was kind of like, okay, so who's gonna run the second team? <laughs> yeah, well, then you have to consider, you know, Spencer rolling an ankle and being out for three or four games. Uh, mm-hmm. Luca, you know, is gonna miss some of these games and. Um, so if you're, you're already basically have two ball handlers, you have to build in that one or two of them are, you know, they're going to be some games where they're hurt, you know, and, and some of those, you know, injuries are going to be a two to three week stretch sometimes, you know? Yeah. So what, what happens then now, you know, it's kind of like what happened with the wings last year when if you had like one, one guy out, all of a sudden just the whole thing was thrown into chaos. And I, I guess that's where I'm disappointed, you know, going back to the top of this podcast, um, where we talked about that Brunson and Wood thing, uh, the losing Brunson and adding Wood. I'm less excited about adding Christian Wood now because I feel like we're just back at net zero. You know, losing Brunson makes it back at net zero. Yep. My my complaint the last three years is it feels like the Mavericks have like six guys that they can play um, in the playoffs, you know, uh, or even in the regular season. You know, they just don't have – Depth is overrated once you get to the playoffs, but man, you need like eight guys you can play at least. I and agree. The, the Mavs have been just floating along with like six, and it's just it's hard to watch. I think that's one of the things where you know I try to tell people with the Christian Wood deal is it's a win-win situation. You know, if he comes in and balls out, it's a good thing for us. If he comes in and doesn't work out with him being an expiring contract, and we didn't really give up much to get him, I think yeah. last year. We had, you know, two, three, maybe even four guys on our bench that weren't, weren't even playable, you know. And I think that this year the worst player we have, you know, as far as unplayable, maybe Bertons. I mean, it, it, in the cases he gets hot and scores for us, right. great. But defensively last year, it, I was just like, oh, my. You know, so that's why I was kind of more up on the wood thing because then we had a bigger, you know, more productive uh, big. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the ball handler – is the big thing for me. Uh, I when I found out they said that, you know, the last roster spot they were hoping to use for a wing. I was like, I really feel like we need another ball handler on this team. I've been saying it for weeks, you know, so I'm right there with you. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating. So, but we'll, we'll see. Um, again, I, 
I think the team that they have now is going to be really different than the team like come the playoffs next year. So mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping my last hope is that they're somehow um, able to swing a trade with Powell for a ball, like either a ball handler or a wing or preferably a wing who could handle the ball. Maybe uh, that work. Because <laughs> uh, I think, you know, Powell's expiring and people uh, there's, there's some teams around the league that value what he does, especially if you're not in a, contending mode i think there's a lot dwight powell can offer to like a rebuilding team and so for 11 million dollars i think there's some teams that are willing to do some deals there so we'll see um well dw thanks for uh stopping by man uh getting my podcast back rolling again um you're gonna be at summer league so follow uh dw on twitter what's your handle on twitter dub into tub d-u-b-n-d-a-t-u-b Follow him on Twitter. I'll link it in the show notes down at the bottom, but you can follow him on Twitter. Um, Like I said, thanks for stopping by, man. Uh, I appreciate you having me. Have a good time out there. All right, bro.